0: Hello everyone, my name is Zach Rodier and welcome to episode 24 of the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast. In the moment you've been waiting for, interviews are back. After the Stanley Cup final and busyness around the NHL, officials from the league, teams, and reporters and journalists now have time again to start talking about hockey with me. I'm excited to have interviews back with the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast. In our first one back is the Vice President of Communications and Team Services of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Todd Chirac. This was a great conversation. Uh, Todd talked about his time in the NHL bubble. With his position, he got to go inside the NHL bubble. So he talks all about his time in the bubble, what the Blue Jackets did, and what exactly it was like. He also talks about this is his 20th year with the organization so and it's also the Blue Jackets 20th anniversary this coming season so he talks about him looking over all his time with the Blue Jackets but also teases and talks about 20th year celebrations I'm not going to release it yet because you got to listen to the episode Um, but you will hear that he also has some other great things about what he does in his job some great memories and all of the things in between. This was a fantastic interview. Todd, thank you so much for coming on the podcast after that. Well, this, when this episode will be released, we, it will be a Monday and the draft is the next day. So we're going to preview the draft, talk about all the chatter and news that's happened so far in the NHL after that interview. But without further ado, I'm not going to keep you away from this interview. You guys have been waiting for new interviews. Um, for a while now, since the Stanley Cup uh, Finals have started. So here is your first interview since then with Todd Shirak, VP of Communications and Team Services for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Enjoy. The Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast is excited to welcome the Vice President of Communications and Team Services. Today's guest has been with the Blue Jackets since they started. Um... In the league, and as part of all things communications-wise for the Blue Jackets, including interviews, PR, and more, due to his job. Today's guest was also in the NHL hub city of Toronto during the Blue Jackets' playoff run this year. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Todd Sharaka to the show. Todd, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Absolutely, Zachary. Thanks for having me.
0: So, before we get into the bubble and all that, um, your 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 branch your job branches off. To a lot, a lot of things. So, explain to the listeners um, what exactly you do for the Blue Jackets, and you know, this is going to be the Blue Jackets' twenty season, and uh, we'll get to that in a in a few minutes. But uh, being with the Blue Jackets for all this long, what what do you do with the team?
1: Uh, I oversee uh, on the communication side. It's everything. Uh, part of the highest profile part of that is any of the media broadcaster relations. So anytime anybody wants to interview our players, coaches, personnel, uh, I oversee all of that. Uh, We put together uh, team publications, media guides, digital game program, yearbook, uh, postseason guide, draft guides, anything like that. Um, Host press conferences, you know, essentially try to do what we can to uh, get attention uh, and coverage for the team. In a positive light, um, on the team services side, that includes everything from uh, I have someone on the staff who does most of the the lion's share of the work uh, as far as arranging our flights and buses and hotels when we're on the road. Uh, But it's also helping players get acclimated to the city. If they need things while they're here, uh, helping them in that way, Uh, recognizing players when they um achieve a milestone we have a kind of an awards program where we do things for players that you know if they get a hat trick when they score their first goal if they play in a milestone game things like that so uh it's kind of all-encompassing um we're also kind of a liaison uh, hockey operations department and the business operations uh, of the club so anytime you know whether there's a corporate request a community request even from within the organization uh, those kind of get funneled through uh, our department um, so we can kind of help um, the organi- organization ac- achieve its goals.
0: So from taking care of the players' families uh, while the players are in the bubble to getting to the bubble, to all the Zoom interviews, you must have been extremely busy. But after a long pause due to the pandemic, the Blue Jackets returned to the ice in Toronto and defeated them at- in five games. Uh, and. Sadly, fell to the Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning, in five games. And even though this is disappointing, how great was this return for the Blue Jackets in the communications department in the NHL to be able to finish the season? Uh, Now we're in off-season mode. Um, When this podcast is released, it'll be on the Monday, so right before the draft. So how great was it to be able to finish the whole season, get everything done, and now focus on the 2021 uh, season?
1: Yeah, it's been a bizarre um, uh, period of time for, for everyone, um, but it was, it was um, really rewarding to um, be able to participate. And I think the league, uh, the Players Association, uh, did a tremendous job coming together uh, on the plan and also tying in a multi-year extension of the collective bargaining agreement as part of that, uh, which is huge. Um, but the way things were done, um, you know, it was, um, safety was paramount. That was the priority. And it was, um, it was a really interesting experience. I mean, starting from training camp, you know, everything was different. We, you know, um, I was part of the group who was going to Toronto. So I had access that other people in the organization didn't. So for Mm -hmm. example, Leno Dabrowski, who works for me in communications, He was responsible for working with the media directly because we could have media come to the Ohio Health Ice House for practices, but they had to be socially distant and they had to be kept in a separate part uh, at the top of the building uh, from the rest of us. So we would take those folks into a room off the main concourse where we had a camera and a screen set up where they would come. That's where they would ask their questions from. I would bring in our coach, uh, John Tortorella, and different players every day to a separate room, and they'd be doing a talkback interview, much like we're doing uh, here today. So, mm-hmm. you know, usually we just open the locker rooms. You know, when when practice is over, locker rooms are open, coach does his availability, and there's a lot of close, close quarters. So um, that was a big uh, change. And with the testing, we got tested, you know, two or three times a week, uh, up until the week before we went to Toronto, then we had tests every day. We were tested every day. We were in Toronto, um, and the league did a really good job. It was very um, everything was very convenient. Very, um, I don't want to say easy. In some aspects, it was easy. But obviously, mm-hmm. you're away from your family and friends for an extended period of time. It's it's challenging. But we were we were very busy. It seemed like it was you know games every other day after the first week and. Mm-hmm. Um it was a really interesting uh interesting experience to be up there and I was proud of our guys the way we handled uh everything. We'd like to have been there a little bit longer. Yeah. But um but uh, I think we uh, we acquitted ourselves quite well.
0: Yeah, and I I'm going to talk about the Zoom interviews with the different players because you know there's some players or Coach on Torella that you know and right now it, it's it's horrible and sucks that All of these interviews that I've been doing on my podcast can't be in person, can't be genuine. Uh, So we'll talk about the difficulties of that and how you persevere through that later. Also, when it comes to the bubble, I'm going to ask you some questions about the bubble. Um, But, you know, there's those minimal questions, some small questions that you wouldn't think about. um, But a lot of people around fans of hockey are kind of interested in. So I'll have those rapid fired questions near the end. Um, but tell me about your overall time uh, bef- during the pandemic before the bubble. How busy were you with the pause? Uh, because you still wanted to keep the fans, the media, and everyone engaged, and not forget about hockey.
1: Yeah, you know it was surprising because um, you know I think it's surprising to some people that it was we were as busy as um, as we were. Uh, Everybody, we've been working from home, everyone at the, at the Blue Jackets, we've been working from home since we paused on March 12th, uh, the night we were supposed to be playing uh, Pittsburgh. Um, but we all got very familiar with Zoom calls. We all got very familiar with uh, Microsoft Teams. Um, we would be doing regular uh, meetings, uh, interdepartmental meetings. Um, you know, after the initial period of, of a week or so, you know, a couple of weeks, we really started to f- think about, okay, now what are we going to do now to keep people engaged? You know, the first couple of weeks we, you know, we, we didn't do a lot uh, because we wanted to give our, our players were still trying to get um, their arms around everything as well with their families. And, you know, should they stay in Columbus? Should they go to where their, you know, their off season homes are, uh-huh. um, you know, could they go back to where their off-season homes were? And um, but once we kind of got through that initial period, it, it looked like this was going to be a little while, you know, we really tried to make a concerted effort to continue to engage fans. We started doing something called Blue Jackets at Home, where we would do a Zoom call with uh, a player or Yarmo, uh, I believe, did one. Uh, Rick Nash, I think, did one where we invited season ticket holders and it was a big Zoom conference, Bob McGilligan moderated. Um, and we started doing and reaching out to players directly to share some of the things they were doing at home. We did a lot of things with Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley, um, again, through Zoom and video that we could um, continue to engage fans. Um, it wasn't easy, obviously, because everybody was trying to get, you know, Get through all of this and it was definitely it, it's been unchartered territory but it was a priority for us um, and we also wanted to maintain our commitment to the community uh, we had groups that were reaching out to us uh, players reaching out saying what can we do so you know we had several guys do a number of things you know one of the things uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Oliver Bjorkstrand teamed up uh, with Papa John's and had I can't remember how many pizzas but basically had pizzas delivered to most of the central ohio kroger locations Mm -hmm. for lunches for the grocery store workers who were still coming to work every day Um, they were they were part of that group of frontline workers that had to um, still do their jobs they didn't have the option to work from home Mm -hmm. Uh, just doing their jobs so we could you know Continue to get our groceries and supplies and everything needed. So guys did that, and you know Cam Atkinson organized a virtual 5K to raise funds for uh, Ohio Health and Riverside Hospital and some of the uh, efforts that they were doing to fight COVID and testing. And so those things were all important. It was really important for us to to stay as engaged as we possibly could. Um, and I think all things considered, we were good. We are. We had just started a, a CBJ gaming. Initiative around that time, that which we were planning anyway, so that kind of really took off and gave us some opportunities to do some things with a few of our players, and they did some stuff. We have some gamers that did some things with the NHL as well. So um, it was a challenge, but you know, I think we tried to make the best of it and keep people connected and informed as much, as best we could.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's so important to stay with the fans, and that's why I kind of did this podcast too, because once even. You know, with the offseason, there's some breaks, but you also want to, to communicate with the fans. But in an unprecedented time, I think the Blue Jackets and the rest of the National Hockey League did a fantastic job. Um, but now let's move to the bubble. When What were your initial thoughts when you were told you have to go to the bubble um, and everything going on into it? Uh, you were told what was going to be offered in the bubble um, and you were told you had to go. What were your initial thoughts about the bubble and also having to leave your family? And you, you, you didn't know how long you were going to be gone because if you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars, they were gone for over 60 days.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. You know, my wife and I talked about it, and I'm very fortunate in that, you know, my wife, Crystal, does a phenomenal job of running the house, whether I'm here or not, um, but especially – Um, you know, we have two kids and, and it was tough, you know, typically, you know, you go on a road trip and I think the longest road trip I've been on, is maybe close to two weeks, Mm -hmm. um, 12 days, something like that. Um, but I don't, we don't typically have those really long trips anymore now that we're in the, uh, Eastern Conference and, um, but this one was like, you don't know. I mean, how do you pack? You know, we're, we're looking at, okay, we could be gone two weeks or we could be gone two months. So the packing was one of the initial questions as you are going through your mind going, how do I pack for this? Um, so, but then, you know, you you, you just kind of, you get in the mode. It's, it's time to, to do your job and do what you need to do. And, um, you know, the league was, was offered very detailed uh, information mm-hmm. um, throughout the process as they were working on it. Um, and you just figured, you know what? I'm going to need to figure out Uber Eats, and I'm going to figure out what shows I'm going to stream on Netflix and mm-hmm. Amazon Prime and what books I want to read and 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 just, you know, you kind of just I'm not a big fan of the phrase it is what it is, but that's yeah. kind of, you know, this is what it's going to be. Um, but I think the biggest thing was we were just so excited to have the opportunity to go and play um, and be together as a group. You know, the players especially, a lot of time together. But, you know, the small staff of us that went up to and, and coaches and all our support staff, um, and there's a, there's a, it's a real bonding experience. The playoffs, or you always get re-energized come playoff time anyway. And I think especially this year after being, you know, the pause lasting as long as it, as it did and so much uncertainty. We were all real excited just to have the opportunity. And
0: when it comes to the bubble, what was your experience like uh, without the hockey? So life experience, being inside the bubble, was it tough? Uh, We've started to see some articles, especially one from ESPN stood out to me. We've heard some positive and negative reviews. Was it what it was as advertised? Did it come out as advertised? Was there a lot of options and what was your perspective on your time in the bubble?
1: Um, For me, I I thought it was fine. I mean, you know, in in Toronto, there were two different locations. We were at the Mm -hmm. Royal Royal York Hotel, which was literally walking distance to the arena. Um, And then the other hotel, um, which was probably, I think, a five to ten minute uh, charter ride away, five minutes without traffic probably. Uh, And they had a little more amenities, there was more outdoor space, you had easier access to BMO field where FC Toronto plays, uh, Had access to the field there for activities, kicking soccer balls, throwing baseballs, wiffle ball, you name it, guys were doing it. Um, And the other place had tennis courts and pickleball courts, and it was just a bigger, bigger property. Um, And you could go there anytime you wanted. Um, I think the the upside to being there was, was those things. The downside is you couldn't walk to the, walk to games. Most of our guys walked. Um, they had a pretty elaborate barricaded route. You could take some on street level, some below street level to, to get to that. There were restaurants we could, a couple of different places you could go to uh, on the property, within the bubble, um, <clears throat> a lot of Uber Eats. And there are a lot of great restaurants in Toronto and you can just get it and go down drop it, pick it up and you go. Um, there are a lot of food options though, like restaurants inside the bubble or
0: a lot of players and people relied on the Uber eats a lot.
1: There were, there were several, I think, several options that you, you had between the two hotels and, um, real sports, which is a huge sports bar. That's good food. Um, but it's literally right across from the, uh, scotia bank arena so we had access to to that as well but a lot of guys did uber eats you know the biggest thing was zach i think the entire time we were there so we were there just shy of a month um i want to say we maybe had three days off yeah we two it was only two or three days off where we had off it Austin.
0: was a grind yeah
1: so literally in our in the first week first couple of weeks from the week we were there then the week of the toronto series, most of our practice times were either at 1245 or two o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a lot of time. Literally, you'd get up in the morning, you know, we had a meal, uh, you do your COVID test, you know, for me, I do, you know, check emails, do a little work. Um, and then we'd go to practice and the time you mm-hmm. leave, have practice, get back, then we always had a uh, our media availability via Zoom, usually a short time after we get back from a uh, practice. That's mm-hmm. about four hours right. a day. You know, there was some, you know, workout equipment you could use um, uh, or you could go to the other um, bubble hotel and, and utilize those uh, facilities. So it was just, you just got into that routine. Mm-hmm. And then if you weren't, you know, practicing. You had a game. We had a number of afternoon games in the second round. We had one afternoon game and four evening games in the Toronto series. So, um, it just got into a routine. You know, it was a lot of hockey, um, and it was, uh, you know, it, it was good. It was, you know, there weren't. I think there might have there initially been the expectation. There were expectations about well, maybe there'd be a golf day. You'd have access to a golf course and you could yeah. go play golf as a group or things like that and you know but honestly there just there really wasn't time yeah (laughs) yeah time for that with all the hockey yeah especially
0: when you know between the Toronto series and the Tampa series you had one day in between and there wasn't much breakup but before we go to the hockey side would overall with your whole experience would you give it I I wouldn't say a review but do you think the NHL did a good job and that it was as advertised
1: I think it was phenomenal. Um, Do I think that – did everything go maybe as flawlessly or were there, you know, maybe all the amenities that the league hoped to provide? Maybe not. Mm -hmm. But uh, the biggest factor was, you know, they went through 33,000-plus COVID tests.
0: Yeah,
1: zero positives. No positives. Um, You felt safe there. You know, we wore masks pretty much everywhere. If you weren't in your room uh, or eating and drinking, you you know you had a mask on um, and it was fine, no uh, issues. Um, I, I think again, because there was so much hockey, I guess like I, I think it was for the, for the league to be able to do what they did, the way they presented the games, the way the arenas were, um, I, I think it was an A. If you okay. put a grade on it, you'd have to give it an A. And I think the single biggest reason for that is we were able to go through uh, award a to Stanley Cup with zero uh, positive COVID tests, and the quality of the games were phenomenal. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that that's what you have to look at. That was their main goal. I think some players, you know, it it wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be, you know, Disney World or a big resort. Uh, the goal was to play hockey games. So let's talk about the hockey quickly, because I know we don't have that much time left. Um, but what was, you were one of the fortunate people to be in the arena and watch the games without the fans. And obviously, uh, the f- missing the fans is horrible, but you watched all of the games, especially that five overtime thriller uh, in an empty arena. What, were, what was watching
1: those games like? Um, you know, it was interesting because I, I think you had so much time to think about it and to prepare. Mm-hmm. It was always – we knew there were not going to be fans there. I think having the first exhibition game, I think from, from the guys I talked to, it was like they got – it was really strange for them mm-hmm. once you first, you know, the, for once they first had to take the ice without it. But then it just became – you know, and guys typically, you're on the ice, you're focused, and you're into it. You know, for us watching, I kind of felt the same way is, um, you know, they they piped in noise in the arena, which as well as on the broadcast, it really, it makes it, it made a difference. Uh It's very positive. It worked. Um, Once the game starts, you just, you get into the game. And the intensity was there. And, yeah, it was. And as far as the, the five overtime game, it's odd for me with my role. I always go down before the end of the game anyway because we have to get prepared to pull players. So play. you were just waiting and that. So I literally was downstairs and I'll usually, I'll go in, I'll sit with our video coach and watch it on TV. That's where I watch, you know, overtimes. And so we were there and then the coaches, I'd leave, The coaches would come in at the intermission. You know, they'd do all the usual intermission stuff. They'd go back out and go back in the video coach. watch and it was uh that was a i I just wish we'd have won it It yeah we don't
0: know what would have happened i mean i when they were talking the tempe lightning they said you know who knows what would have happened if we lost that game so yeah i mean we
1: we had some tough games in that series every game we lost was by one goal we had another overtime game so Mm -hmm. um you know the guys played really well they really did and uh you know, we saw some young guys really step up, and both goalies were great. Elvis yeah. was great when he got in after Corby. Um, you know, these the Stanley Cup champions seem to have a, the last three out of the last four have had to come through us to get there. So yeah. well, it's actually four straight. Yeah, four straight years of the finals. Yeah, yeah. Me, I know. Yeah, um, so uh, hopefully ho- we can knock down that door.
0: Yep, hot. Uh, well, you know it. I, it's got to be something for the team to know that they have to go through Columbus. So maybe if, you start, if everything starts going your way, I, I, I can't wait to see what happens. Um, but 20 years, what, what does that mean to you? Um, you've been here since the start. What have been some of your best memories? I, you know, this team has tremendously grown through this time. You've gone through so many memories, that sweep. Now this bubble experience, which will always be with your life. What players and personnel have highlighted this journey and been amazing to cover, you know, from Tortorella to Elvis to so many other players, Rick Nash, all the players you've seen. How amazing has these 20 years been?
1: Well, it's been amazingly fast, uh, I can tell you that. Um, It's incredibly rewarding. We still have a number of folks who have um, been with the team since, uh, since the first season, and just to see the growth, Uh, to see the growth of the franchise to the awareness in the market from people not having to explain to people who the Blue Jackets were um, to where we are now, uh, the the development of the arena district, the growth of youth and amateur hockey, all all of that has just been it's incredibly rewarding um, to see the the strides we've made in the 20 years. Um, The single best part about uh being being a part of this organization as long as i have has been the people uh people i've worked with on the business side and you know all of the players coaches managers um that i 've worked with i mean you know you hear hockey players are the are the best athletes in the world to to deal with and work with and and i i can attest to that um, we've just there's so many really good people and it's it's good now. We're getting ready for our twentieth year. I I've, I've, I've do some work with our alumni group, try to keep them engaged as much as we can. And I've, I actually just swapped emails yesterday with Rusty Klesla, uh-huh. and, um, and I'm looking forward to doing some things this year with some of those guys and some of the older guys. And you know, when we were when we swept Tampa, Ron Tugnut, our first goaltender, came back um, for one of those games against Boston because uh-huh. he was so excited watching. That Tampa sweep because I got to come back. He, had, he hadn't been back in the game since he left in 2002, and uh, so it's just really rewarding to to see those guys and to see young guys like I knew Rick when he was 18, uh-huh. and now he's married, father. He's working in the management side, you know. So to see all these, you know, kids, you know, grow and become parents themselves and and do things in their own um, lives beyond the Blue Jackets, that's Uh by far the most rewarding uh, part of it all. And
0: so we only have a minute left now, and you know that it's just crazy. It's been 20 years and 20 years in your job. And so just a few rapid-fire questions about the bubble and everything else. It's been rumored there may be a 20-year patch on the jerseys. When I spoke to Assistant GM Josh Flynn before the bubble, he said a jersey could be possible Anything you confirm with, you can confirm with me at this point, or talk about how the Blue Jackets
1: uh, will celebrate twenty years quickly.
0: We'll, uh, we will have a logo,
1: and um, I'd say everybody will be seeing it very soon. Uh, any jerseys or that logo is the patch. That logo will be a patch. It'll be a patch on the,
0: uh, on, the uh, on the. So jersey. no alternate jerseys or anything like that. They no. can share. Okay, no, and, uh, nothing that I can share. I, I can't. Yeah. Secret. Okay. Uh, so. Which There were two COVID tests in the bubble. Which one was worse, the throat one or the deep nasal swab? We just had the nasal swab, and it wasn't deep. They weren't oh. Okay. So there's different information. Maybe in Edmonton yeah. it was different. Best yeah. bubble food at a restaurant in the bubble?
1: Best bubble food I had was uh, probably Rodney's Oyster House, which is kind of a legendary place in Toronto. Okay. Uh, best yeah. bubble activity? Uh Playing tennis. I went and hit tennis balls at the tennis court. Okay,
0: uh, very nice. Uh, nicest bubble
1: restaurant? Uh, well, like I, like I said, it was mostly Uber Eats. but okay. I, I did so Uber real Eats. Sport. Real sports in Toronto was a pretty good one because then baseball was going on and, and the hockey, so there was always a game on. Okay, and then last
0: one, weirdest moment or experience in the bubble? Five overtime game all right well todd thank you so much for coming on congratulations on 20 years it's a big accomplishment really appreciate it uh thank you so much for coming on
1: thanks zachary best of luck with your show thank you all right oh
0: All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that fantastic interview with the Blue Jackets Vice President of Communications and Team Services, uh, Todd Shabrak. Todd, thank you so much for coming on uh, to my listeners. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, we should be getting some in the future. Don't know about next week, uh, depending on how much time I have with talking about the NHL draft and offseason news, including trades, free agency and all of that. Um, but Again, thank you so much for that interview, Todd. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. Uh, some good stuff, some good news from that interview. So let's get started with the NHL and the NHL off-season news. Now, I thought I'd have a lot more to talk about uh, with the NHL news. Things have been uh, pretty slow. Um, someone told, I believe, Darren Dreger of TSN, who's a great insider. Uh, one of the general managers told him, the markets, the trade market, has been pretty constipated right now. Uh, so a little vivid there. So things have been definitely slow. Uh, I was expecting to talk a lot of, a lot more stuff. There's been a lot of chatter, speculation, but not much outcomes yet. So uh, maybe you know this podcast is coming out 12 a.m. on Monday. So maybe the the big day on Monday before the day before the draft stuff happens. Um, stuff is probably going to happen on Tuesday as well, but you know, right now before the draft, we don't have too much news. You know, there has been trades, there has been signings, some things we already knew was coming for a while. Um, but I'll talk about the speculation first before we get into the outcomes and outcomes and physical things we have right now. So first off here, um, one news, I just, uh, heard this, I'm film I'm recording this late uh, late Sunday night. So what I'm hearing now is, according to Pierre LeBron of the Athletic and TSN, he is hearing that the Tampa Bay Lightning have talked to Tyler Johnson's camp about working together on a possible move. Tyler Johnson has a full no-trade clause. So it, it would have to be, Tyler Johnson would have to fully, fully agree to where he wants to go. Uh, so it's basically in his hands uh, obviously, he knows that the Tampa Bay Lightning have to have to move. Uh, but according to David Pognoda of the fourth period, he's told there's been some reluctance from Johnson's side to accommodate uh, a move. But it's early in the process, uh, so things are going to get going uh, in the near future. We'll see where that goes. You know, one team that has been interested is the Columbus Blue Jackets. I've been hearing that a lot. But let's be honest here. Would Tyler Johnson waive his no-trade clause to go to Columbus where they've had that tension over the past two years? I don't know if that goes in, in into it. I don't know if he would move, waive it for that. Uh, but Tyler Johnson has full—you know, they just won the Stanley Cup. Why would you want to move? So he has full capabilities there, um, and he's he's going to de- get to the side— uh, you know all these guys for the Tampa Lightning. The Tampa Lightning have cap issues. They're going to get to decide. You know if they want to go or not, and they're going to make a big decision and see. And it, they're having a big impact on how the Tampa Lightning's off is going to play out. Other speculation: Oliver Ekman Larson. You know this guy. He also has a no full a full no trade clause for the Arizona Coyotes. The Arizona Coyotes. Asked him for some teams. He said he would waive it for Boston and Vancouver. After many multiple times, Arizona's asked him to move it and move it and move it. Add more teams, add more teams. He said, no, I'm either staying with you. I'm going to Boston or I'm going to Vancouver. But I want to know soon or I'll just take it all back. So the Arizona Coyotes want to get something going here. Boston. You know, they'd like an Oliver Ekman Larson deal. I don't know if they exactly have the urgency the Vancouver Canucks have because if the Boston Bruins lose out on the biddings of of Ekman Larson, they can just go back to Tory Krug. Uh so who's a a UFA? So th- there you don't have the as much as an urgency as the Vancouver Canucks do. The Canucks want to make this deal happen. They want to get things going what the Arizona Coyotes probably want is a first round pick. They don't have one this year cuz they traded away. They don't have one next year because they got uh, it taken away by the NHL um for testing prospects. So they're really looking for a first round pick. Neither Boston or Vancouver has that. So Vancouver they're going to have to get they're going to have to get creative on how they can get Ekman Larson. What's going to entice the Arizona Coyotes? Those teams are working hard for it. It may happen within the next few days. It may happen um, before the draft. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, you know, we just got to see where that one goes. I, I don't think that it's guaranteed. Ekman-Larson going to move. I think you know the Arizona Coyotes would be okay if they don't move him. Uh, obviously, they they would rather move him. But again, if Ekman-Larson says no, I'm just going to Boston or Vancouver the The Coyotes may up just may just decide to keep him at that point because if so, you know if there's not a match between either of those two teams, there's not a match and there's nothing you can do. Um, let's also talk about Patrick Line. You know, Patrick Line. This is a pretty interesting one here. Uh, definitely an interesting one. Um, there's a lot of teams that have interest in him. According to Pierre LeBron and Darren Dreger and insider trainings on TSN, for a while now it's been Columbus, the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have been very, very interested in um Patrick Line A. Is there a match? I don't know. I don't know if I could see it. You know, I, I definitely sometimes I can't see it. Sometimes I could. You know, right away the the Winnipeg Jets are gonna ask for Zach Kerensky And I doubt uh yarmo kakalainen the general manager of the columbus blue jackets would be willing to do that he'd probably give them david savard um but i don't know what else the blue jackets can do to entice the winnipeg jets enough to make this one work uh it would definitely be an intriguing move for the columbus blue jackets they according to elliot freepin on his 31 thoughts podcast the Blue Jackets are looking to make waves, make big news. They've also been looking at Johnny Gaudreau um, of the Calgary Flames. Other teams have been looking at either Elvis Merzlikens or Jonas Corpusalo of the Columbus Blue Jackets. One team that is looking at them especially is the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're looking to upgrade... Uh, um, They're looking to get rid of Freddie Anderson, upgrade the goaltending position. They're going to look at, they're very interested, according to the fourth period, Jonas Corpus the team that shut them out uh, in the first round, uh, in the qualifying round, excuse me. So this is definitely, you know, the Blue Jackets are looking to make moves. They have goaltenders. They have, and they they have a lot of defensemen. uh, So, and they also have Josh Anderson. If the Blue Jackets can't, You know, the Blue Jackets, Yarmo Kuklainen said he wants to get his RFAs Dubois and Josh Anderson signed before they start making those moves. So if the Blue Jackets can't sign Josh Anderson soon, maybe they'll decide to trade him. And there's a lot of options there. Um, Matt Dumba is still the Minnesota Wild are still looking to trade Matt Dumba. um, With contract talks, Islanders and Broussard are uh, talking contracts according to the fourth period. Um, another one that ended up happening, uh, since our last podcast, Henrik Lundqvist of the, um, of the New York Rangers was bought out. This was, you know, it it wasn't a surprise to me or anyone around the league because the New York Rangers have two, uh, stud young goaltenders. Uh, definitely sad though. It's an end of an era. Henrik Lundqvist is absolutely amazing. He's a great goaltender. You know, obviously this wasn't his year and he's, he's going down. Um, but he's been great for the New York Rangers. It's an end of an era there. He, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. His name's going to, his number's going to be retired in New York, in my opinion. So, um, you know, obviously an end to an era. We didn't know if he would be able to play today. Uh, he said he he still wants to win and he still wants to play. Uh, he still has the passion for the game. So look for him to go somewhere uh, this off season. He's going to sign. I was I was hearing, according to Pierre LeBron, um, Washington or Carolina could be options. Um, so, you know, those are some options there. Uh, we know Jimmy Howard is also not going to be signed by the Detroit Red Wings. He's a UFA. So there's a ton of UFA options um, in goaltender and also trading. You have Kemper, Demko, um, one of the Blue Jackets goaltenders. You have possibly Dovin from Dallas, so there's so many goaltenders right there um, that there's so many options right now. Uh, There's there's also so many other speculation across the league, so if I missed one, I'm sorry, Uh, but we're going to get into stuff that have actually happened recently, Uh, so let's first get started. Um, Oh, I just got some more news, Uh, according to David Pagnota of the Fourth period, and again, I'm just getting this news as I'm recording this right now. They're expected to formally have minor talks, uh, begin contract negotiations with their five RFA's: Cernak, Sorelli, Sergachev, Stevens, and Verhage on Monday. Again, they're still celebrating their Stanley Cup. They have gotten some pushback from the NHL. Um, I don't know if if you follow if you're on social media, you probably saw. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning letting random strangers drink from the Stanley Cup, during the COVID nineteen pandemic. So that's not a good look for the league or the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, so they definitely, the league definitely, uh, let the Lightning know that. But let's first get to the trades. Well, actually, you know, I was been talking all about the goaltenders. Let's talk about some signings. Um, a. You know, there's been some big ones recently. Uh, we had Jeff Petrie of the Montreal Canadiens on September 25th. He signed a u he signed a four year deal, 25 million dollars um, total for the four years. So a 6.25 million dollar AAV. Uh, so four years. That's a big one for the Montreal Canadiens. He possibly was going to go to the UFA market. He will be staying in Montreal for at least another four years. Great move by Mark Bergeron. September 26, 2020, Sam Gagne, uh, UFA, signed with the Detroit Red Wings with a total of 850000 Good veteran presence there. Don't mind that one at all. Next one, uh, let's move on to some other big ones. October 3rd, uh, which was yesterday when I'm recording this, two days ago when the podcast comes out. Brian Elliott signs a deal, 1.5 million, one year deal with the Philadelphia Flyers. So, you know, gets another good backup goaltender behind Carter Hart. That's a good move for the, um, Definitely for the Philadelphia Flyers. Then we have Tristan Jari of the Pittsburgh Penguins. He would have been a, he's an RFA. He signed a three-year deal, a total of $10.5 an AAV of $3.5 million. Uh, that is the cap hit for this year. Uh, so that one's definitely a big deal. Uh, we didn't know, you know, are the Pittsburgh Penguins going to keep Tristan Jari? Or are they going to keep Matt Murray? And, you know, signing this one doesn't mean Tristan Jari is 100% staying in Pittsburgh, but it definitely um, strengthens that um, because they did sign this deal and they could have just traded him and let the other team take care of that contract. Um, so where does Matt Murray go? Like I said, there's a ton of teams looking for goaltenders, that goalie, musical chairs, that carousel there. they It's unpredictable where he goes. There's tons of teams that are looking for goaltenders. So it's going to be interesting what the Pittsburgh Kings can do with uh, Matt Murray. And talking about Pittsburgh goaltenders, well, a former Pittsburgh goaltender now is coming into trade discussions, Marc Andre Fleury, after uh, we speculated this during the conference finals, but. Robin Leonard of the Vegas Golden Knights, who would have been a UFA this year, he signed with the Vegas Golden Knights. A $25 million total contract, five years, so an AAV of $5 million. So now the Vegas Golden Knights have around $13 million for two goaltenders. Um, One's making $7 million, one's making $5 million, so that's a lot of money. You can't keep both of those goaltenders. Especially if the Vegas Gold Knights, they're interested in Alex Petrangelo um, of the St. Louis Blues, who's a UFA. So if the Vegas Gold Knights want to get Petrangelo, you're definitely not going to be able to keep Fleury and Leonard. And from this five-year deal, the Vegas Gold Knights want Robin Leonard. Or they wouldn't have they definitely wouldn't have signed. Uh, they definitely would have signed Robin Leonard if they didn't want him there full-time and for the next five years. By the way, the Vegas Gold Knights did have a golden jersey, which looks pretty cool, uh, so good for them. Uh, on our podcast, when I had Brian Killingsworth, the CMO, who definitely worked on this jersey, he was teasing this gold jersey for a while, and he finally got it done, so congratulations to him and the Vegas Gold Knights franchise on that jersey, which looks great. Um, but back to Marc-Andre Fleury, he has a no, a full no-move clause, so he gets to decide where he goes. He also has seven million dollars. I don't know what team would want to take on seven million dollars, so the Vegas Golden Knights would have to be creative. Maybe do a three, a three-team deal, have it one team retain salary. You know, it's just going to be really interesting to see what happens because I don't know a goal. With all these UFAs this year, I don't know what team would want to take $7 million in Marc-Andre Fleury, even though he's a very good goaltender. Uh, so I'm definitely interested to see how this one turns out. Um, you know, it's just, I don't know this move. You know, Robin Leonard is a very good goaltender, but Robin Leonard was insurance for Marc-Andre Fleury, and now he's taking over the goaltending position. I'm going to have more thoughts on this in the future, but this is definitely intriguing. But it looks like the Vegas Golden Knights uh, have moved on for Marc-Andre Fleury. It looks like he played his last game for the Vegas Golden Knights. They stick with Robin Leonard now. And, you know, obviously it's up to Marc-Andre Fleury where he goes um, because he does have that trade clause. Uh, So it's definitely going to be interesting to see where he lands up or if he lands up anywhere. Um, In trade news... The big one we had since the podcast came out, Pittsburgh Penguins, Florida Panthers, Pittsburgh gave um, Patrick Hornquist to the, Pittsburgh Penguins gave Patrick Hornquist to the Florida Panthers for defenseman Mike Matheson and forward Colton Skivior. Um, Florida won this one easily. Patrick Hornquist had a full no trade clause, uh, full no move clause. Uh, so he had to give permission for this one. He wasn't originally, but then he was like, you know what? Pittsburgh Penguins don't want me here. I'm out of here. Uh, the next one was Detroit. Uh, they received Mark Stahl in a 2021 second-round pick for future considerations. Um, so that's the New York Rangers just getting rid of Mark Stahl and his salary, and they get a second-round pick to take that salary. Um, and Detroit Red Wings have a ton of salary cap, so that works for them. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, um, traded uh, Dylan Secura uh, to the Vegas School Knights in return, they got Brandon Puri So two forwards there, uh, just getting swapped. Um, October second, the Ottawa Senators uh, received defenseman Josh Brown for a 2020 fourth round pick, and then uh t- today uh, when I'm recording this, the Chicago Blackhawks traded away defenseman Oli Mata. Uh, They are getting rid of some salary to uh, be able to either keep Crawford or get a new goaltender and sign Kubelik and other um, RFAs and UFAs. And in return, uh, they did get forward Brad Morrison. So like that one, for sure, for the LA Kings, Olimata is a good defenseman. Uh, So definitely a good one there. Now, what do I need to tell you about the draft? Well, to be honest with you, I am not a draft guru, I'm not a, I'm definitely not a, a prospect guru here, um, but we all know that El- Alexi Lafreniere is projected to go number one to the New York Rangers. You got an interesting one. Who, who are you going? You know, this is a very deep draft. It's uncertain who's going to go after Lafreniere. You have a few options, uh, so it's definitely going to be interesting here. Um, just the top three, Rangers, Kings, and then you have the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators also have uh, the number fifth overall pick. And the Ottawa Senators have a lot of picks. Maybe they'll tra- they trade those. So there are a lot of good players in this draft. It's a deep draft. So very exciting to see how this one turns out. I hope you enjoyed the draft. You know, this is going to be a virtual draft, but I hope... I think what everyone really wants to listen to is during the draft, it gets interrupted. Gary Bettman comes on the podium and say, we have a trade. And that's that's my favorite part of every single draft. Don't know if we'll see any um, during the draft, but that's my favorite every time Gary Bettman comes and says, we have a trade. Usually the fans gasp and they're silent, uh, but we won't have the fans in the draft this year. But it's definitely going to be fun to watch, fun to see. And, you know, the next podcast, I've just been talking about all the speculation. We're going to have so much to talk about. Teams, I think, will look completely different after this po- uh, in our next podcast episode. So can't wait to break it down for you. But that's all the trade speculation, signing speculation, um, news, trades, draft, all of that, everything in the NHL. Uh, there's also been, in other NHL news, speculation that maybe training camps will start November 15th. I don't know if that will happen, uh, but we are going to see. Uh, just going to check here if I've heard anything before anything before I sign off the trade news here. And it looks right now, that is all we have. And I'm sure as soon as I'm done recording, there's going to be news. Um, but there's only so much you can do here. But that's all the news there is for this week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And let's get you right into the outro. I hope you enjoyed that fantastic interview with the Vice President of Communications and Team Services of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Todd Sharrock. Todd, thank you so much for coming on. And to all my listeners, I hope you enjoyed it. I also hope you enjoyed NHL news, speculation, uh, trades. Signings, All of that good stuff. I'm sure a lot of things are going to happen within this next week between this episode and our next one, uh, episode 25. Uh, so this, it's definitely been exciting. There's going to be a lot to cover. Uh, we'll see if we have an interview next week. Maybe we will just be recapping everything that we've seen uh, in this crazy week. I'm expecting it to be busy. So, Again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media on Twitter at hockey HQ Podcast, Instagram and Facebook um, at QuarantineHockeyHQ. If you'd like to send some message, anchor.fm slash QuarantineHockeyHQ or just hit us up on social media. Um, also, please make sure you share this uh, with all of your hockey friends. Also if you are just listening, this is the first episode you're listening to. I encourage you to go back to our earlier episodes with all of our interviews. Uh, We have some great interviews from, you know, from journalists to team executives. Uh, it's, It's been a blast doing this podcast so far. So thank you so much for listening. My name is Zachary Rodier, and we'll catch you on the
1: next one. Thanks.